Hey there, and welcome to Eve Unleashed, hosted by Brittany and Madison. This is real talk for real women who are ready to step out of society's confining boxes and grow. By learning from other people's stories, we become more aware, conscious, and accepting of others and get one step closer to shaping the world into a better place. Join us as we talk with women from many different backgrounds about life, relationships, work, family, religion, and everything in between. We are on a mission to start a new conversation and to help women wherever they are in life. Thank you for being here with us. Now let's jump into today's episode. All right. Hey, listeners. Thanks for joining us today. We wanted to talk about something that I feel, um, well, I know most married couples go through, but you don't talk about it because it's it's a hard topic to talk about, and it, and but not talking about it makes us feel alone in it. So it's kind of life after the passion fizzles out, you know, like after the honeymoon phase, after the first few years when, um, like for me, I believe in the afterlife and and that I'm married eternally to my husband and being like, okay, now here's the long part. <laughs> like, like now I'm married to this guy forever. You know, like when, when that, when that reality hits you. Yes. Yeah. It, I feel like there is a lot of pressure on people and especially in our culture where we've kind of been brainwashed a little bit as to like what romance and what a good relationship looks like if we kind of rely on like um the tv and the media we're supposed to be like super fiery and passionate like like in the notebook you know we're supposed mm-hmm. to or always... the newest thing right now bridgerton it's like oh i want oh, yeah. him to look like the duke looks at me yes exactly like we just kind of have these expectations um and maybe that's how the relationships start off. Like, I don't know about you, Madison, but like our relationship started off that way. It was just, it was great. It was magical and just adorable and all the things. And like, we were so perfect together. And, you know, now 13, well, 14 years together, sometimes it's like, who are you? (laughs) You know, and just all these little things that bug you and um, just growing up and then adding kids to the mix and all you know just life you kind of I don't want to say fall out of love but it's almost like you get comfortable in the relationship and well it definitely feels different yes yeah like it swaps feeling that way yes and people think like oh I no longer have butterflies when I see them that means I just must be out falling out of love and that's not true we actually found quite a few articles that kind of like talk about that um the butterflies and like just why relationships act the way that they do at the beginning and then when they start to fizzle out um that you know people feel like oh I just we must not be a good match because now I don't feel that way anymore but a lot of these articles say the fuzzy feelings, if you want to call them that, and the passion or whatever, only stays between, like, I'm seeing one to three years in a lot of these articles. And that's it. After that, it's just like, honeymoon phase is over. And you just kind of, you know, get who you get. And, you know, it's interesting. There's quite a few friends that I've talked to who have kind of said stuff like that. Like, I just don't, we just don't do what we used to. We're just not really like in love and feel the way that we used to about each other. Well, it's, it's definitely like, that's when I, well, that's when I feel like your long-term relationship really starts to develop. Like getting to know each other, you're learning about each other. Everything's fun. Um, If you grew up um, waiting until marriage or, waiting until the right person to have sex and you're like, you know, that's all exciting because it's new and it's, you're figuring these things out together. So you're just, it's just a whole lot of just learning, right. And spending right. time together. And then you get to a point where you know everything about each other or most things about each other. And that's when you learn how to, how to just how to be partners and how to you know right. be with that person um knowing all that i mean i 
I dated a lot in high school. Mm -hmm. Um, and (laughs) I think I was in a lot of ways. I loved that feeling of a new relationship and a new crush and a new person liking me and that kind of thing. And, um, and I think that was a little weird. I don't think it was really necessarily hard, but it was weird being a few years into the relationship. And I got, we got married so young that the people I was interacting with who were my age were still single or, you know, I like when I like would work and stuff. So I have coworkers who are usually single and dating. Right. Right. And I didn't miss dating, but there is that just like that fun of just knowing someone likes you and stuff. I think that was something that I was like, it felt weird to not have that anymore. Right. Definitely went through a phase of being like, hmm, this is like interesting. Like, you know, this is really who I'm going to be with. I, I want to say it was when we hit like four years, it like really hit me of like, oh my gosh, I had been with one person for like as long as I was in high school. What the heck? That is so weird. Like you hit these milestones and it just is flabbergasting that, that the person I was when I was a teenager and who loved dating is with just one person, I guess. Does that make sense? Like, like, no, it it really does because it, um, I feel like after a while it's just kind of hard to adjust to these things um and just like not feeling that quote-unquote spark every day like you Mm -hmm. said having that realization of like this is who I chose and this is like who I'm going to be with forever it can you know it can kind of rock your world especially if you know you have been in the dating game for a long time or you're not used to being in super long relationships but um what one thing that we wanted to talk about uh, in this episode is things that we found that couples use. So when you are in this slump or feeling like you have drifted drifted apart from like uh, your significant other, how you can like bridge that gap. And not only that, but maybe see if like you can start to rekindle because I think it is important to still try to find those ways that's going to make you that's going to make you want to stay and want to be with them and choose them day in and day out over and over and over again now i do want to say like obviously there are relationships you know that are abusive or toxic and just definitely not good like i i don't want to be that way but i'm like i'm not talking i I don't want to talk to people like that because i don't want to encourage you to stay in something that is toxic and not not good for you in your life um so this is i don't want to say that you can't listen but maybe something here can help you um but i just wanted to preface that like this Mm -hmm. we don't want people to stay in dangerous relationships and continue to take abuse or anything like that so well and also i think like acknowledging that people that are LDS and Mormon marry super young. Mm -hmm. And in that time, as you're growing up, when you get married at 19, you, you and your partner grow up. And sometimes when you grow up, that relationship isn't right. Or you got married for the wrong reasons because you just didn't want to be alone. Like there's, there's so many things that go into it. Where yes. beyond just it being like um, abusive, it's just also I I just I like to just say it's okay, like let people know it's okay to go through that and realize that that marriage isn't serving you and your partner anymore. Right. That's okay. Yes. <laughs> exactly. Um, so one thing that I found interesting is this. It's on psychologytoday.com. And they were talking about, so after four decades of working with couples, they say they are different, but they face a lot of the same issues. This could be like um, communication, you know, all sorts of things like that. But um, they talk about stay in love. See, and I found that interesting. They talk about the in love couples and then the stay in love couples. Um, And that's kind of how they, you know, I guess 
differ between the two. But they talk about how their relationship, um, how even though all these people struggle, they see a lot of the same struggles in all these marriages, but they say they also have a lot in common. And these are like the six qualities that are the most notable. Uh, like number one, they talked about how they resolve their conflicts. So, you know, every couple argues if they are honest and authentic, they accept the fact that they'll never see eye to eye on everything. I feel like that's so important in a relationship to hold space for your partner and to just really see what they're saying and not um, not feel like they are attacking you just because their opinion is different from you. I feel like that is huge in a relationship. That's one thing I have had to learn personally in mine is when my husband is telling me something, he's not attacking me. He, It's not a personal attack and it's not, he, he's just trying to get me to see his side of his feelings. So, um, so they do that. They, you know, try to uh, stay authentic. They realize they won't see eye to eye. Um, they also know that like unresolved repeated conflicts that can threaten and damage the relationship. Um, they, they see that. So when they're in their disagreements and they know that it's driving them apart, they try to resolve the situation and make up like as soon as possible rather than needing to win. They just understand and they understand each other and then they like disagreed how they could have done it better i found that super interesting because i mean there's been lots of arguments that my husband and i have been in where we just did not agree it was just it was never going to you know come to like the same resolution it just wasn't we just really had to d disagree agree to disagree type of thing but i feel like that the biggest thing in that was you know, I loved how it said, you're not trying to resolve a conflict to win. You just want to be understood. And I feel like that is huge in a relationship, especially in like our culture. I feel like it's this, it's going to be my way. And if you don't see it my way, or if I'm not right, then like, we just cannot exist together. The end, you know? So well, I, I think a big shift happened for me when um, I realized that we could end an argument just agreeing to disagree. Like yeah. you say it all the time, but then when it's like your person, you really want them to agree with you. You want them to be like on your side. Mm -hmm. And when it's like, okay, them and changing the mindset of when they don't agree with me, they're not against me. Yes. Like, cause that's the thing. Like, if you're not on my side, if you're not with me, you're against me. And it's like, no, they don't agree with you, but they're not against you either they really just see it differently and being able to come to that um point made a big difference in the way that we discuss things in the way that we argue and the way that we're able to um that and the idea that we don't not everything can be resolved right then it's okay to say you know what this is something we are not going to agree on and we are going to walk away for a minute from yes. this discussion and I mean, I do agree where it was repeated and coming up all the time. That could be a sign that maybe you need to get some outside help, like therapy or something going on. But right. I'm just talking about those, the, not the repeated arguments. Just when you're discussing something, you're like, you know what? We could argue about this all night long. Sure. <laughs> it's not yeah. going to change anything and it's okay. Definitely. Yeah. This is definitely for more of like just topics. I'm like, uh, I don't know, maybe politics maybe i don't know just like simple stuff like you said this is not over you know <laughs> i feel like this is not i mean i guess if you're you're into that with your relationship but if like relationships if one spouse feels like they want to open the relationship to others and the other one's like no like no this is not what we're talking about like no <laughs> mm -hmm. this is just i don't know just things that you may not see eye to eye on um you know, and I loved how you put that, Madison, where you say, you know, you kind of talked about you can let it go. And then, you know, it, I feel like it kind of ties into the next point where they refuse to assign blame. You know, so they yeah. um, instead of blaming, they can like look at them and just like you said, accept what is and be able to move on or come back to it in a better way. Um, so this 
second point that they talked about during a conflict that so many couples blame their partner for what's going wrong. Um, maybe it's to avoid like guilt or feeling righteous. And some people try to make the other person into the bad guy, hoping that they will win the argument that way. So this was interesting that he, they said that like the stay in love couples that know their partner's views must be respected, honored, and especially if they are different from their own, but they strive to, um, to understand them and like to find a truth that allows for both to live in peace and harmony like I like you said it doesn't mean you'll agree but mm -hmm. you know every connection and disconnection it must be the responsibility of both like we can do this together and yeah so when i was reading about that through that too a thought that came to me was and i wrote down is noticing my own like self-sabotage and that mm. i tend to um like when i'm upset about something i'm doing my poor time management skills or if something i'm trying to do isn't going my way i sometimes will try and find a way to make it his fault that i can't do the thing that i want to do um, because it's easier to blame him than to look at myself and see that I'm the reason why I can't accomplish my things. So this isn't even like when we're arguing, this is like me, um, working through my stuff and realizing that and being upset at myself, but then somehow it's just easier to blame him. And mm -hmm. that, I think that's something that, and he does it too. It's not just me. He does it too. And we've worked on it a lot of recognizing, am I actually mad at you or is it something I'm doing, but it's just easier to blame you right. on it. So yeah, recognizing the self-sabotage of like, okay, I'm gonna blame you just for that, for no other reason than I don't wanna blame myself um, is like a, for me, a form of self-sabotage. It's a good point because I feel like it's so easy to do that just to place blame you know if you were late for something like if you would have filled the car up for me and like you know it could it could just be anything like well when i stopped doing dental assisting i'd go through phases where i would be like it's all your fault i'm not doing this anymore when really i wanted to stop doing it um but in times when i felt like a failure for not doing it i wanted to blame him I didn't right. want to feel like the failure. So it was instead of feeling like a failure, I could be like, well, the only reason I'm not working is all because of you. And then I had to come around and go, no, I actually really <laughs> wanted this choice. And I, I do see that in stay at home mothers. Um, Cause there is kind of a, there is a two edged sword. I'm seeing oh, yeah. where men are being held more accountable to be responsible at home, which needs to happen. Men need to be helping raise their kids. But also, we cannot be mad at our husbands that they are at work all day when we want to be home. So it's like the way you're going about it. If you're going about, if you need a break, communicate that lovingly figure out a way to do that, communicate that you need that. Don't just be mad at everybody about it. Cause at right. the end of the day, do you, and if you want to go to work, figure out a way to do it. I don't know. I'm just, that's something I'm just seeing a lot of is people just really mad about where they're at. And I understand that's a little bit privileged because not everybody has a choice. Daycare is really expensive. Things are crazy, but just being angry at our spouses because we're not happy with where we're at, it isn't going to fix anything. No, no. And it doesn't because I can definitely relate to that because I am a stay at home mom as well. And I homeschool on top of it. So I don't ever, <laughs> ever get much time from my kids. And as someone who can become very easily overstimulated some days when he comes home, it's like, I'm almost jealous that he has had, even though he's been at work, I'm almost jealous that he has had that time alone type of thing. But for a while there, like it, it did, it like really, really ate at me. Like, you know, even though at your work, you are at work, at least you get to do something and complete it and it stays completed and it doesn't, you know, and you made money and 
where I'm just kind of sitting at home, taking care of kids, nothing to show for it. I had a very negative outlook on my role as just being like a stay at home mom. You know, I don't better. think I don't think the negative feelings are necessarily bad because that's you recognizing you need something like you need yes. some time away or you need help. Yes. It's just what you do with those feelings, you know, as like, yes. okay, are you going to communicate that and then work with your spouse to come up with a way that you get some alone time? Yep. Or are you just going to resent him and he's not going to want to be home because the whole time he's home, you're just pissed. Exactly. See, and for me, I had to, I realized that I need something because um, in my heart, I, I've always wanted to stay home with my kids. It's what I wanted to do. But like you said, oh my goodness, sometimes your choice just becomes so hard. But I've noticed, I mean, I've always worked and I've always done, you know, I didn't get to become a stay-at-home mom until my third child was born. And so after quitting my job, I realized I still needed something that belonged to me. That was mine. And so I've had to create those and I've had to force myself to make time for myself. And luckily my husband was very supportive of that. Like, you know, just like this podcast type of thing. Um, you know, like I told him, like, I'm going to go record. Like, you know, if kids get out of bed, he takes care of them. Um, you know, there's a lot of things that he has been very understanding about. And I think, that is just the key is to look at your spouse as like, oh, they're not complaining. They just actually need something. But I feel like, you know, you actually have to voice those things. Um, and I struggled with that for a long time because I didn't know exactly what I needed until one day. I'm just like, oh, I need something that's mine because I'm lost. Like, I, <laughs> I don't know who I am anymore. Um, but yes. So uh, let's see. So number three. How they they talked about how they respond to requests for connection. I found this one super interesting. Um, mostly because they just I don't know. I found that just so strange to like request like, hey, I'm feeling very disconnected from you. Like we need to like find mm -hmm. another a, a connection in some way. It it just seems like so strange when you put it that way, but they kind of talk about this. Let's see, how did they put it? Um, many partners treat each other um, where they kind of feel like they, okay, let's see, let, uh, back up. Here we go. Um, it says that an important part of every quality relationship is the ability for both partners to authentically agree to honor the feelings and thoughts of, uh, of each other especially when they're trying to work through really difficult emotional issues. Um, let's see. Many, many partners, partners will automatically treat each other this way when their relationship is new, but as their relationship matures, they may come to feel burdened or disrupted by continuous requests for connection and not want to be immediately available anymore. Uh, let's see. In trying to dismiss their parents or their partner's desires quickly, they may resort to trying to fix the situation. This just blew my mind because I know I don't know about you, Madison, but I feel like a lot of men are this way. Men are fixers, and women sometimes we just kind of want to just word vomit all over them, and just mm -hmm. we just want them to listen. We don't want them to fix it. Just listen and. Mm -hmm. I really, really liked that. Just, uh, you know, they may like resorting to fix the situation without taking the time for like a deeper inquiry. Um, they try to like neutralize the situation and an irritated partner may reply with sarcasm or even like withdraw from them. I found that fascinating. Um, oh, this is definitely something that Mike and I both do to each other. Um, Michael and I actually both are kind of word vomit people and, <laughs> and, uh, he talks about work and stuff and I give him all these suggestions on how he should fix it and vice versa. And really, we don't really want to hear about how the other one would fix it because honestly, usually when he's like, well, you should just say this. I'm like, that is never anything I would ever say. Like, <laughs> so he's just <laughs> like, you need to go to this person. You need to tell them this, this, and this. And I'm like, 
no, like that is, I could never like word it that way. And it's the same way when I try to help him. Right. Um, but I, I, it is true that like when you first get into a relationship, you do all these like kind of extra things to like connect. And um, when I was really struggling a few months ago, well, actually, so it was, I got my tubes removed. And when I got my tubes removed, my fallopian tubes removed, I got off birth control. That was the weirdest thing. Um, I got my personality back, not being on birth control. I didn't realize I was in a haze, but I didn't realize how much I was like shrugging off his affections. Like I would get annoyed. Like when we first met and we're first dating, like he come over and like pinch my butt or hug me or those little things, right? Flirty <laughs> things. And I loved it. And then as time gone on and we had kids and I got busy and all these things, I'd be in the kitchen and he came up and like, want to hug me in the kitchen. And I'm like, what are you doing? I'm cooking <laughs> now. Can you not tell that I am busy? Why are you doing this? Right? Well, then one day I'm complaining to him, probably because I watched a romance movie or something. I'm like, you never flirt with me anymore. And he's like, because when I do, you push me away. And I was like, oh, shoot, I do. Like when he reaches out for attention, when he's trying to connect, I'm always too busy. So I've been trying really hard to stop and acknowledge it and give him that moment. And I really think it has helped our relationship. One second. You're good. Okay. I can't give you more medicine. If you take medicine too much of it all at once, it will hurt your stomach. Okay. Drink some water and try and go to sleep. Okay. I love you. Sorry about that. You're good. You're good. <laughs> I don't know. So have you ever noticed that kind of thing where you just kind of realize, oh, shoot, we're not like connecting? <laughs> oh, for sure. Um, I would say like this year, um, well, from like June of last year to like now, we have really, really struggled. And a lot of it was because uh, he was waiting for like a job to open up to where we moved because the one that we thought was coming kind of like never came through. So we're kind of like, oh, crap, like we kind of, you know, pulled the trigger and the bolt, you know, yeah, that, yeah. Um, <laughs> and so he had his old job still. So he was commuting. He did like a four days on, four days off, four nights on, four days off, and it would just repeat. So every four days, I was basically just kind of like a single mom. And I kind of got used to like my own independence. And he just kind of became the guy that makes money because I, and we did that for seven, seven months before he was able to find a job that, and that was the tricky thing. He could have had a job the day we got here, just anywhere, but he wanted to make sure that I could stay home. And so he turned down like four, I think four jobs he had to turn down because he's like, I have to make sure that she can stay home because that's what she wants. And so that was hard because part of me wanted to be selfish and be like, no, just be home. And like, I don't care anymore and we'll, we'll figure it out. But he, that was very important to him. But in my mind, I was like, you just don't want to be home. You just want to make big bucks at your old job, but not like, you know, so it was, it was hard. But this whole year, I feel like um, we've, we've been out here for almost a, a full year anyway has been so challenging for our relationship because, you know, I feel like we're kind of just barely getting into a groove now where it's like, Hey, um, I'm feeling like super disconnected from you. Oh, it's because of this and this, like you don't do this anymore. You don't, I feel like this is being neglected or whatever, being able to like reconnect. And I think a big part of this conversation is as well, goes back to, not feeling like they're personally like attacking you, like trying to tell you like, oh, you piece of crap, like you never grab my butt anymore. It's it's not, it's not that like, you know, being able to hold space for each other. And, you know, that is one thing that I have loved in our relationship. Actually, Holly 
we did her in a few episodes, well, quite a few episodes ago, but she gave me this tip that she was explaining to me with her man that she's with. She would always say, hey, like, I have a thing that's bothering me and I don't want you to fix it. I just want you to listen to me. Like, I just need you to hold space for me to listen. And then maybe if I'm up to it, I will ask for your opinion. And I was like, oh my gosh, like, it's that simple, you know? But so we've had to do that a lot, a lot, lot, lot this year because we've had so much, so much go on that just has really, really tested our relationship. I mean, if you want to know if your relationship is going to last, build a house together. Oh, <laughs> my Lanta. <laughs> <laughs> you know, build a house together or, and you have to do it. You build it, not your contractors, but you. <laughs> mm -hmm. Or got a house by yourselves because that will test your marriage like no other. <laughs> <laughs> but yes, I, but short answer to that was like, yes, yeah. we have had a lot of that of where, we have just had to say like, hey, I need, you know, I need more communication from you. I need more sex. I need more, you know, you to touch me more. I need to make sure that we, you know, kiss when you come home. Like being very upfront with your partner and knowing they're not attacking you personally. It's just they're acknowledging their needs. It's huge. And I feel like that makes like, I don't know the difference between like um, a stable relationship and then what, I can't even think of a word to use, but just like a very emotionally immature relationship. That's the difference is. Also, yeah, I think when you go talk to them about the thing you need, going at it with the intention that they're going to probably respond and you need yes. to give space for their feelings as well. Um, right because then that's that's where growth happens yes yes because even this weekend we've had you know a little bit of i don't want to say breakthrough with our relationship but a little bit more mending of our relationship that we've had to do because of the last year and this weekend to be able to like go to him and be like here's my feelings i'm not getting enough of this well turns out he's feeling the same exact way He's feeling neglected. I'm feeling neglected for a long time. We just kind of sat there in our neglectfulness and just like <laughs> pouted about it. And it just made everything worse where instead we could have just been like, Hey, I need this. And like, it was fine, but I kind of do what you do too, Madison. I kind of self-sabotage and like think of things that are like wrong in the relationship and they're not really wrong. I'm just not the best communicator because I have things that I'm trying to fix, you know, and luckily we were able to like, uh, kind of discuss that where it's like, you know, I, I'm trying to work on this really, really, really hard, but I'm sorry that it's just how I am right now. And now he's aware of it. So that's well, kind of all. Going back to the passion thing too, you know, when you first get married, the answer to a lot of your problems is just sex. Yeah. Right. Like, right. I'm feeling lonely. We have sex. Oh, we're not connecting. We have sex, right? Yeah. But then you get to a certain point, and like right now is tax season. Michael's working super late at night. So it's like hardly ever that right. we are both ready at the same time, right? Because um, frankly, I'm asleep by the time he gets home most of the time, right? right? And it's just so when that like kind of fades and you're not like, I mean, like, it's maybe too personal, sorry, but like going from having <laughs> sex every day to being like mm, maybe every other week and you're like, okay, it used to be like a few years ago, I would have been bawling. I would have been like, he doesn't love me anymore. He doesn't right. find me attractive. But through communication now, it really is, it, we have a honest communication about it. It's a, hey, do you want to do this? And like, uh, you know what? I am asleep. <laughs> <laughs> so maybe not. And then we, and it's like, well, you know what? Let's just cuddle for a minute or let's just talk. And we find other ways to connect with each other. Um, knowing that that's going to come, like there's times and seasons. Yes. And so that's part of like maturing in the relationship too, is realizing that sex also has times and seasons. I, I never thought that that would really be the case, but now 
as an almost 30 year old woman, I'm realizing that <laughs> that is true. And, yeah. and it's not a terrible thing. No, nope. What is terrible is sitting there, like you said, thinking like, thinking, oh, they hate me or just, yeah. you know, or thinking you start looking for love in different Yeah. And then I go talk to him and he's like, no, really, I am just that exhausted. Or yeah. I started medication and they told me it could affect it. So I told him straight up when I started taking my medication, hey, this could affect my libido and I'm going to be honest with you about it, right? So yeah. having that honest communication, it just takes the feeling like the the rejection out of it where it's like, these are, this is the real reason why I, we are, or we aren't, you know, and there's still like times to be spontaneous and that kind of thing too. But communication is just, it's just super key. It is. So this next one we found, we both found it super interesting. Um, mm -hmm. They talked about how they parent each other. And at first, like I kind of, when you read it, you're just like, I know I, I'm his mother. I know like, <laughs> it's not, it's not like that. Um, and so they start off by saying like, um, people are never the age are they're never just the age they are in the current moment. I found this fascinating. Um, they are a composite of all the ages they have ever been. If a partner has had a heartbreak in childhood, and a situation to reemerge in the present or his or her uh, partner can help ease it and even heal the pain by acting as a nurturing symbolic parent can heal or that issue. inner child work. Yes, that inner <laughs> That's exactly what it is. Um, and then they kind of talk about, let's see, they in every intimate love relationship there's always an underlying crisscross interaction between the symbolic parent and um the symbolic child in one another so it's impossible to be open and vulnerable to another human without those interactions inter interactions like happening from time to time because there there are we all have um trauma or just the way we were raised and i mean everyone who gets married knows like sometimes you see things and you're just like, why are you acting like your, your mom or dad or whatever? And we're like, what in the action heck? And you know, they, it's, it's interesting when, when you're, said, when you're yelling at your kids, why are you always yelling? And it's like, yeah. Oh, it's because I'm yelling. Exactly. <laughs> and you're like, I've like, I one time like legit stomped my foot at one of my kids. And I was like, Oh my gosh, did I really just stomp my foot like a three-year-old? Right. Yes, I did. <laughs> yes, I did. Right? Oh my gosh, it's so, so true. Um, it, it's so funny, but I loved that they talked about that. And I don't know why that was mind-blowing to me that we're not, you know, the ages that we are, like, all the time. We're just a composite of all the ages we've ever been. I, oh, I found I like that fascinating. Says like as relationships mature, many partners begin to feel less willing to give that kind of unconditional nurturing and might not be as automatically available when the other slips into a younger place. I think this is so true because the thing is like you're growing up together, especially when right. you get married super young, when oh, you get yeah, married, yeah. you know, 18, 19, whatever, 20. So you are growing up together. So there's this like expectation, like, it's like, why don't you just grow up? Right. Uh -huh. Right. And this is something I think when Michael and I have the most conflict is in, is when one of us is in a growth period and the other one isn't. Right. Yes. So then I'm like, I'm growing up or he's getting more mature. And I'm like, well, you know, so this that can happen where it's like when you're growing, you don't always like I, I'm just saying it's just totally true. I'm like, I'm just done dealing with your crap. Yeah. But the thing <laughs> is, I'm never going to be done dealing with his crap. Just like he's never going to be done dealing with my crap because yes. we're married. <laughs> exactly. And, you know, let's see, how did they put it? When no longer loved in that tender way, the needy partner may feel like abandoned and rejected. And then they may feel that they have to behave more carefully. So they lose the confidence in being able to like, talk to their partner and then feel supported and then your communication goes out the window and it just you're just on a downward spiral from that but yeah to I have, have that sister, symbolic safety net yeah i have a sister who's dating a guy and she um did experience trauma as a young teenager 
And she says that she literally will have days where she tells her her um, boyfriend, I don't anyway, her partner, like, I cannot adult today. And she seriously just doesn't. Now, and, and she's like, and she acknowledges, she's like, I'm lucky I don't have kids, so it's easier for me to do this and stuff. But I admire their communication that she can go, I cannot be an adult today. And she's like, and she says that she seriously acts almost kid-like sometimes when she's like this. But she's been going through this trauma therapy and things. And she's like, I just need to be able to be a kid sometimes because I didn't get to be a kid. So sometimes I'm going to go hang out with my friends and do a summer party or do something like that. And it's okay. And the fact that he is so supportive of it has been eye-opening for me to see that and go, oh my goodness, like, how great is that, that she can work through that with him? Yes. Yeah, I love that because it, I mean, we all have something, something that, like you said, especially if we get married super young, I mean, we were 17 and 18, so we're we were going, I mean, some, mm-hmm. sometimes it's just like, oh my gosh, like <laughs> you do, you grow through a lot of crap together. Like you just, and I don't know, learning for to me, leave. it's like vacation. Sometimes yeah. I have the hardest, I hate planning them and stuff. I don't know why that's so hard for me. That's like an adult thing that I just like, I cannot do. Yeah. I cannot do. And I'm working on it. I'm, I'm working on growing in it. But I'm so thankful for a spouse that he understands that and he plans them. And when I get to go on these vacations with him, I'm just having fun. Right. Um, He takes care of that, like, of the planning part ahead of time for me. And I I don't know exactly. I haven't done the inner child work to figure out why I am that way. But I appreciate being able to go on a trip and just kind of – I don't know, not have to adult through that process. Yes. Yeah. Okay. So let's see. Number five, they talk about how to deal with control. This one's a huge one because nobody, at least I don't know anybody, nobody wants to be controlled Mm -hmm. in their relationship. You know, they say many relationships fail because one partner attempts to dominate the other because they fear by being controlled by the other And sometimes I kind of felt like this was also an inner child thing. Like maybe you had parents that were super controlling. You know, my husband is like this. He was always said, I hated being controlled when I was a child. So he's like, sometimes I lash out to hold on to the control that I, that I know I have. And I will Mm -hmm. just, I will fight to the death to keep the control (laughs) and, you know, to like, for me, you know, this is kind of how it went is like, I don't, I don't like to like give up this one thing because I feel like I'm being controlled. And I said to me, it's not a control thing. It's a, I'm, I fear for your safety. I fear for your health type of thing. Like, um, like, so I'm not trying to control you. I look at it as a, from a place of like love, like Mm -hmm. not control. Um, so I mean, I think being able to have that, that conversation with your person, of, you know, what's, and honestly being able to say like, hey, I feel like you're really controlling me and then maybe see their side of it. Maybe it is a safety issue. Maybe, I don't know, maybe they feel like disconnected. I, I don't know. I, I don't know what it could be, but being open think, about that. And I think we have to be careful that we're not assuming that they're controlling us over something too. Exactly. I struggle that with money. Like I'm like, uh-huh. you know, you, you make the money. So in his head, I'm like, you make the money. So I don't have control of the money. And that's not how it is in his head as that is something that I have to deconstruct in my brain mm-hmm. that we both have control of the money. Um, Cause that is nothing that he's ever put on me. It's just for some reason, that's how my brain has interpreted our roles. So that has been interesting of like, cause I, I think I kind of treated him badly because I assumed he was controlling me that way, if that makes sense. And in reality, I, I remember him being like, well, how much fun money? Like I told him like, I, I need fun money. Like I need to know an amount that's going to help me. You know, I need that. 
And he was like, well, how much are you thinking? And I'm like, oh, like 20 bucks. And he laughed and he's like, how about like 120? Like, you know, <laughs> and I was like, oh, I can have that. And he's like, yes, like there, you've always had that. You've always, it's not a big deal. Right. So I just, as I'm reading these things, I'm just seeing like, and I, maybe that's just my personality. I just see things in myself where I'm like, oh, these are the things I need to like, let go of and work on. Right. Yeah. So that one that I feel like that one's a big one and it definitely just talks about, you know, kind of like you said, just communication, just way across the board of, you know, trying to explain both of your feelings of why you feel like you're either a being controlled or B, you know, what your opinion on the thing that they think is being controlled. Like, yeah. So, um, Let's see. Number six is how they respond to urgency. Let's see. Newly in love couples are most often to see, let's see, to each other's first priorities. So they respond immediately to their distress signals, but life's obligations intervene. Uh, and sometimes those requests, you know, might be absorbed by other priorities. I think this is like a big one because again, this like is another communication thing. I feel like to be able to tell the person like, Hey, like I need this like now, or, you know, I have found with our relationship sticking a time that something needs to be done or talked about or whatever has been the best thing for our relationship. Instead of just being like, Hey, can I like talk to you? Because, I mean, we have four kids. He works lots of hours, um, you know. I And sometimes, like, I will just, like, forget as well. Like, I'll, you know, I'll kind of, like, forget my own needs or whatever. And same thing, like, with him. If he's like, hey, like, I need to talk to you tonight or something about this. Like, if he puts a time to it, I'll be able to remember. Mm-hmm. You know, and not, like, tonight at, like, 7.03 p.m. Can we? Mm-hmm. Not, not like that. But, like, you know. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean. <laughs> <laughs> well, and um, even I, I, the urgency thing, I've noticed like Michael has gotten frustrated a couple of times because he does, he'll ask me to do something and be like, hey, can you help me with this? And then I'm like, okay, but I've got to like, I got to do this, 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 and this for the kids first, and then I'm going to get to you, right? And he gets kind of bummed about it and like not all the time, but like, I'm, I think it's just so easy to put the kids needs and you know, my to-do list first. Right. Right. And sometimes though, those to-do list things aren't really things I need to do right now. I just, I've learned, I, I do struggle with sudden changes and plans. I'm not sure if that's ADHD thing or something else. I don't know, but So I was like, he'll ask me to do something. And then I'm like, well, I already have like all this stuff planned out. Right. Right. But I'm working on, um, and we both have been working on being able to be like, well, I'm going to put this aside and let's do your thing first. If it really needs to be out. So I'm learning to communicate, like, instead of just saying, I'm not getting to you now, I say, do you need this right now? Yes. Or can this wait until after I do X, Y, Z? Because then I know if it is urgent or not. Because sometimes right. I think he's just casually asking me to to come outside. Right. You know, and other times he's like, no, I need you to come outside because I'm trying to, you know, fix this thing. I need your help right now. So learning to, instead of just saying no, rephrasing it to, is this an urgent now or can it wait? Right. And I think that's helped me at least to relearn kind of, I think our urgency cues change. You know, I don't ball like, oh, I need you. It's like, I need you. (laughs) Right. Oh, it's so true. (laughs) One thing we have always done, and it kind of talks as they, um, the one of the last paragraphs is, they know that love must include always living in each other's hearts whether they are together in the same place or temporarily separate. One thing Mike and I have always done in our relationship that I love is we text each other a couple times a day. Always. It's always been that way since we first met. And it's never, and sometimes it's just like a, 
I love you. You know, like yeah. something simple. It doesn't even have to be like, sometimes they'll call me and I'm like, I literally have nothing to say to you because I have done nothing today. Right. But <laughs> we are checking in. And that's something that if that ever stopped, then I would know that something was really wrong in my marriage yes. because that is something that no matter where we are in our lives is a constant of, I know I'm going to get two or three texts from Michael a day. Right. And sometimes it's those small things that really just like mean the most. So like one thing for me and Kyle is he always calls me on his way home from work every time. And, you know, asks me how was my day was, do I need anything before he gets home? Like, I love that. My kids are doing that too. They like, do you need to go to the store, and I'm like, almost oh, every day, I'm like, well, I could, but like, you don't have to. It's the best. It's so nice. I'm just like, can you please go pick up this? And he's so good about it. Like, there's um, no toilet paper. Exactly. Because there's nothing worse than dragging like all of your kids into a place at like 6:30 at night when everybody's tired, everybody's hungry, and ready for bed. I'm just like, I think everyone's just going to have to go pick leaves off the tree because I will not go get toilet paper. So <laughs> well, it's I'm crazy. like, I have been craving soda all day. I said, but I don't want caffeinated soda. He's like, well, I can get cream soda. I'm like, well, you don't have to. He's like, but I could. And I'm like, you could. You could do that. You could get me cream soda. Yes. But same <laughs> thing. Like if that just ever stopped, if he stopped like calling me on his way home and checking in like that, like you said, you're like, what's wrong? It, it just it yeah and also he knows my anxiety just like sky high so that's kind of like my check-in thing from like okay I'm gonna time like oh I'm like 30 minutes from home okay and I just I'm terrible I have like anxiety of him getting in a car wreck dying in a ditch and <laughs> I didn't know like what time he was coming home it would just it would bother me so mm -hmm. it's I love getting that like time limit from him and just you know yeah, it's just that's one thing in our relationship that he's always done. And and I've always appreciated it, you know, just because it, it makes you feel like, oh, they're, you know, they've been thinking about me and I'm like the first person they want to call as soon as they got off work. Like, you know, mm -hmm. so it's nice. <laughs> I think and I think that's what it all boils down to. Like every every topic in this was about, you know, communicating and and I feel like noticing the other person and like really seeing them because that's what creates like long-term love and um, a long-term relationship is yeah is the little things and that's thing it's it's almost a cliche it's said so often but it really is the little things it really is i mean the flowers every now and again are nice all the things but i'd be more devastated about the not getting a call like it really is just the small things it is. Thanks guys for joining us today for this topic. We hope you guys uh, got something from it. Um, we hope to see you guys on Instagram. Come follow us and communicate with us. We'd love to hear from you. Bye guys. Thank you so much for listening to Eve Unleashed. Join us on Instagram at Eve Unleashed to continue the conversation. We would love to hear from you and hope you have an amazing day.